Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. This week, we're going to talk about education, and we're going to be talking with uh, the former head of the uh, community college system of North Carolina, and now the president of Wake Technical Community College, which has as its goal, serving some 74,000 adults with classes in Wake County alone. It's, it is uh, North Carolina's largest community college, but uh, Scott has been in the business of serving community colleges for a long time, and so he can speak not only to the needs and uh, activities at uh, Wake Tech, but also uh, the other community college system, uh, uh, community colleges across the, the state of North Carolina. Well, uh, I, you, you know, we these days, Scott, we sort of start off with have we, have we kind of gotten back to normal from our COVID and pandemic situations that we went through? Yes, sir. I think so. I think, you know, in some ways we learned a lot through COVID. And so it's not like everything's the same it was pre-COVID. We were able to learn some things, I think, improve some things as a result of COVID. But uh, we don't. We're not impacted by COVID right now, but impacted by the innovations that came from COVID. What were, were some of those that uh, were learning experiences that may be proved to be very valuable in future years? Well, for us, you know, it it allowed us to think a little bit about how we do our processes. You know, a, a lot of times we can tell through when students are online that they're more likely to to need us at certain times of the day or, or oftentimes more at night than they are in the morning. So how you how you reach out to students, how you accommodate them in terms of their advice, you know, the technologies that we use. I mean, right now you and I are using technology that, you know, I've done this show with you before, but typically I was sitting in the studio with you and now we're using technology that we didn't use before. And that happens here as well. So we all learned a lot from COVID, even though we it was not the way you want to have you want to learn. Um, Wake Tech was, I think, I'm really proud of Wake Tech, and it had nothing to do with me. But Wake Tech ten years ago really was planning for the opportunities that come from distance education, the growth of distance education, the, the particularly that all our folks were, you know, went through particular certifications and training, all our teachers to teach, um, and um, and in the county support us with the technology to have the kind of redundancies and other things that you need to 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 be available all the time. Um, and, and as we moved into COVID, what really changed a lot, too, was that that accelerated. But it was um, how we support our students, wrap around our students. So just a good example is like we have food pantries at all of our campuses. Well, now we also really for a lot of our students who you know, it can be a little bit of a stigma to have to go to a food pantry to 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 get some cans off the shelf. You know, we deliver it to them, but we use processes of how we reach students, how we outreach students, how we get to them using technology more than we ever have. We still need our seated places. We have our labs and shops that we need more than ever, but the ways we interact can sometimes be a little different. Now, uh, according to my data, you uh, serve some 74,000 adults uh, at Wake Tech only last year. How many of those are more or less what we would call full-time students? In other words, they are working toward an associate's degree of, of some sort or another. Well, you know, there's a difference between the full-time students, but also those working towards associate degree. So most of our students are working while they're here, which means they may not be traditional part-time. Um, 
you know, so, I mean, pr- traditional full-time, they're not taking, you know, say 15 credit hours a semester, most of them, because they're taking fewer credit hours to move forward. When you think about those, though, that are students working towards college degrees, an associate's degree for us, that's a little over, quite right around 40% of our students are working towards associate's degrees, about 30,000 students. And of those, a little more than half are in our applied degrees, which are the practical um, skill-based degrees. And a little less than half are in the transfer degrees where their their goal in being here is really doing the first two years of what would be a bachelor's education with us. But most of our students who come were with us of that 74,000 are here for skill programs. They're here specifically just to pick up a skill to further what they're trying to do. If you take you know, if you look at our overall population of students, about I think it's about a little over 35% of our students already have a college degree of some type, um, whether you know whether that's a associate's degree, a master's, or or bachelor's degree. Well, that's an interesting stat. Uh, stat. I didn't, uh, I wouldn't have thought it was that high, but that's interesting. We when people finish their college program, they, they find out they need some additional advice or help and so they turn to the community college yeah I mean, we're, we're, in some ways we say we're like the largest graduate school but, we, but in some ways it's like a finishing school because you know it's the notion of i've got my degree i've got my base but i need a i need to polish this these skill sets for no. gaining a job or furthering a job you mentioned that uh, of course with students working, I suspect your campuses are practically as busy at night as they are in the daytime when they are in active classrooms. Not as much as they used to be. That used to be the community college way um, that we'd have a lot of students at night. Most of our, you know, shops and labs, our applied programs, they're mostly running during the day. What changed a little bit over time is that's where distance ed has replaced some of the nighttime activity in general education. So a lot of working adults would come to us after hours physically to take the psychology class now you see that more online what where a lot of the activity is is in the shops the labs the the automotive program the nursing clinical labs you know and they we we do a lot of job training at night and you'll see someone on our campuses all the time but a lot of working adults, when they're taking some of their general education credits, are taking a little more online at night compared to the way they were 12 to 15 years ago. Well, it's such an interesting thing. And of course, North Carolina is one that uh, everybody across the country has looked at and admired not only well, our whole higher education system, the university system and the community college system have been uh, the envy of a, a lot of different states and how we have accomplished what we've done. Now, uh, that brings me to the other thing. Uh, each year, it seems like more and more the university system and the community college system are attuned to each other and working more and more together. Describe some of the things that uh, that Wake Med is doing in working with the, uh, uh, the uh, traditional okay. university system. Well, I'll give you two examples in the recent years is that we have two on-site agreements with two of North Carolina's public universities where they are physically on site with us at Wake Tech, um, or one is moving that direction. One of those is East Carolina University. So East Carolina, one thing that's unique about Wake Tech is for every one of our associate degrees, regardless of whether it's a traditional college transfer degree or an applied degree, we create 
transfer pathways with strategic universities. So you can go from Wake Tech in that skill set and get a four-year degree. So East Carolina is an on-site partner because we're we're unique in our biopharma program, which is a very practical two-year go work in a you know one of the big pharmaceutical companies, but you can complete what's called a bachelor of science in industrial technology through ECU in areas like mechanical engineering, biopharma, construction management technology. So it is a four-year applied route through us to ECU, but finishing here at Wake Tech. Same thing we've just completed with uh, North Carolina A&T, who will be locating next semester on our, our RTP campus. So areas, particularly with information technology, cybersecurity, software engineering, uh, network management, you can complete, complete those degrees through A&T at the four-year level, but starting with us in the two-year level, but having people from A&T on our campus. In fact, I'll, I'll give you a really unique scenario. We have a facility at our Research Triangle Park campus uh, called, the, it's a brand new, one of our new facilities called the Lilly Center for Science and Technology. On the second floor is an early college high school. It's a Wake, it's the Wake County, it's a Wake County Public School. It is the Wake Early College for Information and Technologies. The students there can complete uh, an associate's degree with us in I in I information technology, cyber programming, network, or biotechnology. On the first floor will be North Carolina A and T, where you can then, if you wanted to, you could finish the four year degree with people who are here with us from A and T in those very same areas. So it's kind of a unique North Carolina way where education from high school to university comes together in a very applied, practical way, but it's typically through the community colleges is that middle bridge. So approximately how many high school students uh, are involved at, at Wake Tech? 3,000. 3,000 3, Wake County public school students. Um, and it's almost right on the nose at 3,000. Right, you know, just in, you know, very close to 3,000 one way or the other. Well, that, that's uh, interesting because, you know, we typically have always thought of, uh, or at least I have uh, thought of you working with the university system, and I fail to realize how much uh, service you could be to the high school students who are trying to get an early start or who are, are advanced for in one field or another, and they, they're ready for. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, an interesting, I'll, I'll give you a little interesting example of that. Um, just, and this is the North Carolina way, and this is because of how we work closely together educational sectors, but I was telling you about this, you know, we have one of four, or one, we have four early college high schools with Wake Tech, with Wake County Public Schools. I just told you about the, the newest one, the IT and Biotech High School, but, you know, that's a public school on a community college campus where in the 12th grade, students who are in the biotech part of that are taking genetics courses with us that have been co-designed working with NC State and will be able to transfer that genetics community college course taken as a high school student directly to nc state you know we also have a training facility for biotech on the nc state campus as part of their part of what's called the the btech the biotechnology education training center so you know that's the great thing about education structure in north carolina it's you can really it really pulls together but typically we're that middle bridge that pulls uh the public schools, the universities with the employers together. And so we kind of play that, I think, that glue role in the process. Do you see that process growing in numbers? Absolutely. Yeah. 
I mean, it should grow because it's, it's opportunity growing when it does. Yeah. Uh, now, so some of these students uh, remain at their high school and come to your campus, and others are staying on your campus. Am I understanding that correctly? In terms of the high school students? Yeah. Yeah, for us, I mean, it's different things, different community colleges. Most of the high school students for us are coming to us either online or to our campuses. So we don't go into the public schools as much as you would see in some of the other community colleges. Um, we are building a new campus that'll be right across the street from one of our, or right across the highway from one of our, our high schools. So we're really looking at strategies to connect. We also, on one of our campuses, just sold land to the public schools for a new high school that will be essentially on what was our campus. So we're always looking for ways to tighten the seams um, in seamless education with both the high schools and our university partners. Well, one of the matters that everyone is concerned about, and that is the cost of education, and we want to talk about that in the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Dr. Scott Rawls. He is the president of the North Carolina, uh, well, I'm sorry, he is the president of Wake Tech Community College and a former president of the North Carolina Community College System. And we'll be right back to do that right after these messages. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Dr. Scott Rawls, who uh, uh, is a native of Charlotte, grew up in Western North Carolina, earned his bachelor's degree at UNC Chapel Hill, and his master's and doctorate degrees from the University of Maryland. Of course, has come back to serve us in several ways here in North Carolina. Presently is the president of Wake Technical Community College, North Carolina's largest community college, serving some 74,000 adults each year. Uh, and a number of those, as we talked about earlier, are still in high school. And many have finished uh, regular degrees at uh, university systems that are sort of polishing up. And of course, one of the major functions of the community college system is when we welcome new industries of retraining and so forth. And that's not only Wake Tech, but all the other um, community colleges. I think they're 56. Is that correct? 58. 56? 58. The great 58, 58, as we like to say. 
the great 58. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the cost of education because uh, it continues to rise. And of course, this is one of the functions we hope that the community college system and Wake Tech and schools like that can aid and assist uh, some students in cutting down the cost of the traditional four-year education on campuses, whether they go to private schools or the university system. But college costs keep rising. Uh, what do you think we can do to put a cap on that increase, uh, uh, Scott? Just overall, of course, you're a student of the whole educational process. And so I'm asking you to sort of step out of your role as president of Wake Technical Community College and sort of uh, prolificate on, on uh, a wider range of topics here. Well, we have to be very deliberate and and the fourth off what our students need to get to what they're trying to accomplish. I always say with community colleges, we're a little different than other, say, universities. Um, you know, and that's because our students come through us. They don't necessarily come to us. You know, we're not a we're not a college where you go to because we have a fraternity or football team or all kinds of amenities. It, we're a nice place to go to college and we do have sports teams and we're not, we have beautiful campuses, but our students come to us to get to jobs or to get to the university. And so we try not to have a lot of fluff around that. You know, we're not building, you know, big cafeterias or, you know, these calls accuse some universities of building lazy rivers and hot tubs and things like that. So that's not us, but we are very attuned to what you need to get the skills and the credentials you need to keep moving forward, uh, you know, in the community college system. I think that's the great thing about it. And it's really the great thing about North Carolina public higher education, you know, which was built into our constitution, the state constitution to be as free as practicable. And when you look at our cost here at our community colleges, Wake Tech, all of we're all the same, but, you know, the maximum tuition and fees at Wake Tech or any of the other community colleges right now, or the maximum at Wake Tech is when you throw in the fees is per semester $1,384. So total fees, total tuition, you know, it's just a little over $2,600. Now, you know, some some places they play the game, they they keep their tuition low, but they charge you a fee for everything in the world and, and they get it back that way. So, you know, we're very attuned to that. I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things if I can, just to relate that. One of which is we're, we're always trying to look for new opportunities for our students. One that we're doing this semester is a new way of looking at books. Um, you know, books have changed and the needs have changed. So, you know, one of the ways we always did that is we have bookstores, but now we're kind of trying to, we're going to have a new model where we'll charge a fee for for students, but it will reduce the cost of books, textbooks on average of about 30% per student. So it's a different way of applying it because so many of the resources aren't like hard copy books anymore. They're digital resources, very sophisticated, but they're different. So it's a new way of looking at it. In fact, for this fall, we're not going to charge our students at all for books. We're calling it free book fall. Because in many cases for us, because our tuition and fees are so low, the books can cost more or at least as much as the tuition and fees. So, you know, we're, we're always exploring new ways to make ourselves more accessible and opportunities we have. And, and cost is always part of that. How many full-time faculty uh, do you have? And in, in, uh, I guess a added question to that is then how much part-time faculty do you have <laughs> that's a good question you know i get asked that all the time and so 
I, I need to look that up because I do get that question. It changes all the time, so I don't, <laughs> I don't have that answer for you right now. I shouldn't know that, but you know, every year, and and, and honestly, you know, one of the things we're, we're it's the biggest challenge we have right now because I and truthfully I, I don't have enough full full time or part time faculty right now um, to meet the what everybody what what everybody wants from Wake Tech at this point. And the challenge for us with community colleges is while our cost and fees are low, um, to how do you get to cost? Sometimes the things that we pay for, we're paying too low. And that's truly the case with what we pay our faculty. In North Carolina, our faculty salaries are 41st in the nation. I mean, we have a goal within the community college system of within three years, just being the average of what the states surrounding us pay community college faculty. So that's an area where um, we have to do better. And it creates a challenge for colleges now. And I can tell you, it creates a challenge for us at Wake Tech because their faculty who would rather teach here but can't teach here and took other jobs because they can't live here on what they make at Wake Tech or the cost differential of actually doing the jobs that they're teaching people how to do can get too great. So it's the thing that keeps me up most at night. Well, you know, and your faculty, uh, compared to the university system, the university system professors in many cases are really push to do a lot more research your faculty spends more time in the classroom that's all they do uh, I, I mean yeah. classroom working with students you know but we don't we're not research institutions so yeah. we're we're 100 teaching inst institution whether that be kind of university like general education classes or skills based classes sometimes students when parents will be surprised and say to me you know, the course we took at Wake Tech was, you know, our our son said it was so much better than the course they took at, you know, Highfalutin University. But, you know, the tr our, that's what our faculty spend all their time thinking about is how to teach because they're not under the pressure of the publisher parish research pressure. That's what they're there for is to teach. So people shouldn't be surprised that the teaching is so strong at a community college. What is the normal load of uh, classes for a professor in a semester uh, or, or a faculty member in the community college system? Yeah, I mean, and, and the, you can get to the ins and outs because it's a little different, say, for welding or HVAC than it is for English or, or psychology. But if you compared it to a university scenario, it's about it's eight for us. It's about 18 credit hours, which would mean if you're working a 40 hour week, 18 hours are going to be in the classroom or online with students teaching. And then the rest of that time for you is either furthering your programs, working with committees, or interacting with students outside the classroom in the office hours or other kinds of support. So, um, of course, that, that is where so much learning is done on an individual basis. Do they, uh, in most cases, have regular office hours? They do. What's changing with us in all this is the convenience of what we're doing right now. So, and we we kind of worked. You know, we still work through what does it what does an office hour mean? Because an office hour still, in many cases, is physical, but sometimes it's more what we're doing right now. And for a lot of our students, this is what they look to when it comes to office hours. And for them, 
the time they may need to interact with an instructor is not nine to 10 in the morning when they're working, but nine to 10 at night when they're working on their classes. So what's really evolved and, and continues to evolve, and we keep looking for the, the appropriate place with that is the interpretation of what does office hour mean when you're not nine to five like you used to be, and you're not as just one place. Um, what's really most important about the office hour is always being available to engage at, a, at times so students can access you, and that, that becomes more and more important. Are you able to uh, access uh, experts in general fields that have a full-time job, say, at, at Abbott or uh, uh, Lilly or someplace? Uh, are they able to loan you somebody three hours a week for teaching? Uh, it, you know, you're seeing some more examples of that. And certainly in places where that has been applied has been more with the hospitals in terms of what's called clinicals and the, the requirements of, you know, our healthcare students to be in physically in spaces. Um, we are, you know, I, I, one of our very best sources of instructors in skill-based programs are really people who have had a career and have and have accumulated all those skills and now they're in the in a teaching you know kind of get, giving back their skills to students what can be a little bit of a struggle sometimes in getting like someone to teach for us from a company is for a lot of the companies that are expanding right now particularly in our region they need every person they can get all the time so they're not looking to offer folks up as much and for us too it's not so much about just coming into the classroom and you know, kind of show and tell, you have to kind of, it's it, a lot of our programs are so skill-based is, is how going from this step to this step, to this step, to this step. So you really have to teach across a, an entire course, if you will, not just a, a one hour lecture sometimes. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly interesting. And as you said, distant learning uh, brings a new aspect to all of this. Uh, because of Zooms, and, and as you alluded to earlier, we are actually doing this broadcast by Zoom. You're in your office, and I'm in mine. Right. And uh, at the saves you uh, probably 20 minutes of travel time both ways, so it created an hour. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I so, got. I always like seeing you, and I, and I usually I'm used to driving to your office over there and know right where it is. But you know, this is this works pretty well too. So now basically uh buildings uh are uh and your your uh, facilities are supplied by the county where does your uh, most of your function uh, most of your budget come from from the counties or from the state so the the people which is the majority of our budget um is funded by the state so people equipment all the and, and all the counselors, librarians, everybody—that's state funding. The the counties are responsible for the the facilities, the upkeep of the facilities, the operation of facilities, the security. That's really the the division, the dividing line between state and county for a community college. We're very fortunate. Let me just say, in Wake County, and you can see this with some of the growth for for us. You know, between 2018 and 2028. 800 a little over 800 million dollars in bond funding to support facilities at wake tech and if you look at where those facilities are taking place for us they're primarily around workforce or strategic workforce facilities and they're making a difference i'll give you the hendrick center for automotive excellence is one of those um uh, you know we now have 300 students 
in automotive where just a couple of years ago we had just a little north of 70. Uh, it, the the Lilly Center for, for uh, Science and Technology, our new biotech efforts um, down in RTP. So for us, facilities are, are for the most part designed around workforce needs, um, expansion of healthcare that we'll be doing with our new healthcare campus. So it's um, online can accomplish a lot of things, but when it for a lot of skill programs and a lot that have simulated work experience you've got to be in a place interacting with equipment and people just as you would in the workplace that's fascinating and of course that uh, speaks so well of how much respect these uh, businesses have for what they are getting in return from their support of the community college system and in particular in your case wake tech and I think I you guess know, it, appreciation yeah. to the to residents of Wake County for, you know, supporting Wake Tech the way they do. Our guest is Dr. Scott Rawls, and uh, he is, as we've said, the president of Wake Technical Community College. And we'll be right back with more uh, right after we take time out for these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Now once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Our guest this week on Carolina Newsmakers is Dr. Scott Rawls who is the president of the largest community college system in the state of North Carolina, Wake Tech, uh, which, uh, according to my data, serves some 74,000 students. Uh, and we've already talked about the fact that a number of those are high school students, a number of those are students who have completed a four-year college education and are polishing up, and then quite a number who are working on uh, associate degrees, diplomas, and certificates for various and sundry things. One of the things that is so important uh, that uh, we have found in North Carolina is how the community college system is called upon to train for new industry. Uh, this is particularly important in some of the outlining counties where they get a new industry. Uh, two things happen. Usually the new industry is robbing some of the employees of, uh, uh, well, a good example, of course, would be the textile industry. As textiles disappeared, those people had to be retrained. 
the new Dobbs. And in many cases, there were improvements in, in income. But uh, we have, of course, in Wake County, a number of uh, unique opportunities coming our way. And one of them happens to be in the electric vehicle education business. Uh, how are you going to work with VinFest uh, and the others who are working in this area? Well, one of the ways we do that is we work in, uh, in collaboration with our partners, too, uh, particularly other community colleges. So VinFast will be located in Moncure, which is about 16, 17 miles south of Apex, but in another county, which is served by Central Carolina Community College. But, for instance, just today I was in conversation with Dr. Lisa Chapman of Central Carolina about how we collectively support VinFast, not you know, working with each other to, to to make that come together. So we're doing that a lot regionally. Um, I mentioned Lily. So J.B. Buxton, who's president in Durham and Durham Tech and Wake Tech work in how we support Lily because many of these places are so big. Uh, here, a good example is what's happening in Holly Springs with Fujifilm, Dyson's Biotechnologies and Amgen growing. We have to support, we have to combine together because they're not, you know, it doesn't mean they're just going to hire people from Wake County or this county. So we have to kind of pull ourselves together. And that's that's what we're doing to give the capacity, but also the coordination. Um, for us in electric vehicles specifically, that's a unique area for us. And I think a place where Wake Tech is ahead, but we're doing it in two ways. We, we refer to our approach with EV, electric vehicles, as um, grid to plug the wheels and we're really focused on the plugs and the wheels part so wheels for us is our you know we have a very unique engagement in um what we do in terms of automotive technology right now but we're really leaping to a lead place with with electric vehicles and if things keep going the way they are you know mckenzie has said by 2030 50% uh, of the car new cars that are purchased are going to be ev and you see where places like ford and gm are going with this so we're we're putting lots of investment. We've been able to bring it, get receive lots of grants. Congresswoman Ross helped us with the, some federal funding just recently uh, around that. So we're we've been we have a lot of our instructors are being specially trained, and we're buying specialty equipment. On the plug side, we're doing a lot of that at our new campus that we're building in Wendell because Wendell is home to one of the original EV companies for for North Carolina, which is Siemens. Siemens EV Mobility is there in Wendell with you know about 600 people working there and what they make are the plugs you know the the plug-ins for buses and trucks and cars and so we're we're trying to pay attention to both and it's about electricity whether it's through electricians who are going to know about plugs or automotive technicians who are going to be working more in an electrical environment than the traditional mechanical environment we talked earlier about distant education and broadband broadband access in north carolina continues to grow and uh, of course, with 56 counties across the state, most uh, most students are within a reasonable distance of a campus to begin with. But all of those campuses can't cover all of the uh, various uh, degree programs. So uh, of your 74,000 students, how many of those are actually students from other counties? And I'm sure some of the other counties have Wake County students in them. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, people live in other counties and work in Wake county or the other way around so just breaking it down if you look at our student population 75 percent of our students our degree students are from wake county live in wake county the remaining 25 percent the mass majority live in the contiguous counties but if you look at our statistics overall because we are so big 
Last year, we had students from 99 of the 100 North Carolina counties, and I've forgotten which one, <laughs> which county was not represented. And we had students from 130 countries, uh, or or who were who were originated from 130 com- countries. They may live here now, but the you know, so it's it's a it's quite a place. But it's mostly Wake County, and it, and it's mostly this region by by far. And that's sort of what makes us a little bit different. We are, as we like to say, we're our community's ladder college. And what we mean by that is, um, you know, in terms of the total number of students we serve, we're almost the size of NC State and UNC put together. But, you know, students don't necessarily come to us from Illinois, come here from Illinois or California because of Wake Tech, like they would say to go to Duke or Carolina or State. But more people are going to go through us than any institution by far to get to the opportunities that are growing in this region. So we might not be the magnet that brings people into the region, but we sure as heck are the ladder, the best ladder to help people come up in the region to grab the opportunities that are being created in the region. So uh, that brings me to another topic, of course, uh, the traditional college and universities have been in business a long time and have a big alumni base. What are you doing in alumni relations to keep those who spent time on your campus, especially those who uh, did get an associate's degree or a diploma? Uh, how do you keep them involved? And uh, are you beginning to see a, a payback on their uh, contributions in, in funding? Um, not as much. And it's really more about who we are. It's not so much who our alumni are, but it's, you know, for us, what's a little different for us is that a lot of times our alumni become alumni at the next place. And so it's, and it's not, and we don't also have football games and fraternities where everybody comes back to on weekends to to catch up with us. So we're a little more challenged in that. Sometimes I think I, I may discount a little bit what we can do alumni relations as much because I have so many folks who are out there working who are alumni. Someone like, um, we have a, a guy, at Credit Suisse, Casey Tart, who was, came through Wake Tech years ago um, and has become, has created such an alumni network in his role, a very senior role, important role, technology role at Credit Suisse. But, you know, it it creates the alumni of Wake Tech who are working at different places. And so that's one way you see these kind of alumni networks is oftentimes within the sector in which they work. It could be within automotive repair. It could be within IT. It could be within biopharma. And so we're not, as a college, you know, as attuned to or strong at reaching out to alumni and bringing them back in and getting alumni contributions. Ours primarily comes through the the business interactions, the employment interactions. And when we see our alumni out there working in various places throughout Wake County. Now, you mentioned earlier that uh, your maximum charge to students is $1,384 per degree program. Yeah, if no matter how many yeah. credit hours you take, the maximum per semester is one thousand three hundred eighty-four dollars. That's that's incredible. Now, even then, you have some students who have difficulty uh, because they've got other obligations. Absolutely. In many yeah. cases, they've got families. In many cases, they've got, uh, of course, transportation costs, and of course, as you said, uh, there's meals and things of this nature. 
So do you, uh, what do you do in the area of student aid as far as scholarship? Do you have scholarship and aid available? We have lots of scholarships um, and we have a great foundation, great foundation team that's out there raising money uh, for scholarships, but other things as well. And one of the things we've been very deliberate in recent years, I think COVID was another example of where COVID helped us think about this differently is we've pulled all these different supports together. Sometimes they're transportation supports. Um, right now we've had free buses, but it was free buses for er free bus passes for everybody at Wake Tech. Um, it can be housing assistance. It can be, uh, we do a lot in emergency aid, food, not just food pantries, but some food delivery for students who can't find food. So we, students, um, mental health services, success coaches, we've pulled that together under a context concept we call care centers, which is available virtually, but also we're building on our campuses. So you don't have to find the place to get this. You just know you have a need that may keep you from moving forward. We want to bring it together. And we do that under a concept we call care centers. And then with our support of students, we're we're creating a system where every student has a care team around them. And that includes somebody who supports career services when they're when they're looking for employment opportunities. Hey Don, one thing I want to mention to you as well, when you talk about the cost and you talk about the support and you also talk about the skills, um, one of the things that happens for us is because with the lower cost, students don't have to take out debt with us to to get the degrees and to move forward. Um, they shouldn't have to get any go into any debt because of what's available and because of the low cost. But one of the things people may not realize is is the extreme return on investment that comes to students that go through institutions, community colleges like Wake Tech. Just last summer, there was a national study on higher education by Georgetown University, their Center of Education and Workforce. And what they did is they ranked every college and university in the United States in terms of a metric of return on investment. And the big national story that came out of that is they noted is that over at over 30 percent of America's colleges or universities, um, the graduates of those colleges and universities would have been better financially having not gone there because they were not earning enough money after five years to pay off the debt and the cost that they incurred. You could put in every college and university into their database and Wake Tech came out as one of the top 20% ROI colleges in the United States and top 10% in North Carolina. And, you know, that's because you can learn a lot of skills and valuable uh, things here at Wake Tech for a job market that is very strong, but you don't pay have to pay a lot and to get there and that's that's something that we 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 value quite a bit i read not so long ago i believe it was the president of harvard it was either harvard or yale and he actually echoed what you're saying he said an undergraduate degree at harvard it's just not nearly worth what we charge he said but students want to pay it and he said we you know we're we're not artificially running the cost up it's how much it costs to do it but he said basically there's not a big payoff and i thought that was an interesting uh um, statement for a president of a school like that to actually make i mean he was actually urging students to look at exactly what you're talking about yeah if you look at it through, through that georgetown database and you put in wake tech you're going to see some pretty strong roi for your investment yeah well, that's that's good, and uh, 
but uh, higher education, especially on private colleges, is is amazingly high, and so many students end up with a huge debt, and uh, that's the way you start out, and it's very hard to dig out of that. And of course, interest rates are rising; inflation is going to put uh, further demand on on the the uh, uh, incomes that these students are earning, making it even more difficult to pay off that student loan. Uh, and yet we have sort of implied to students that there's always a payoff. And yeah, you're saying hey, we haven't helped ourselves overall in higher ed because, you know, I think second only to healthcare, higher ed cost tuition has been second only to healthcare in terms of inflation. So um, we have to pay attention. And for us, it has to be how we work because our students are typically working students or students who don't have as much money. So our role is to give them education opportunity and part of that is the accessibility um, and cost is part of that accessibility. Well, bully for the community college system. That's great. Our guest is Dr. Scott Rawls, and uh, we will be back with one final segment. We want to talk a little bit about the legislative uh, agenda that is happening in Raleigh right now and how that might affect community colleges. We'll do that right after these messages. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Dr. Scott Rawls, who is the uh, fourth president of Wake Tech Community College, which uh, is is North Carolina's largest community college system. Um, And we are uh, in a time and period where the general assembly is in action um what are your what are your requests to the general assembly this year and uh, how does the general assembly look all those requests at this point in time well really two things don the first relates and is vital for us is is our faculty and staff salaries um and you know i've been with the community college system for 25 years, and I never faced the challenges that we face right now. Um, and this is not just, a, it's a community college challenge, but it's North, it's part of North Carolina's workforce challenge. Um, I, mean, I was talking earlier about the ROI that comes from a community college. Well, that's because a lot of times you can get these great skills that you walk right into great jobs, 
but what's key to this is you have to have the equipment you have to have the places but you have to have the people and the people who have the skill sets to partake you know the knowledge that we're looking for so we've talked about you know expanding healthcare expanding these big types of very sophisticated facilities whether it's biofarm it the trades areas electrical hvac we we're talking about automotive and ev it's a completely different world than it was 20 years ago but for us our big challenge in north carolina given all that we have is that we don't pay enough for the folks to be able to sustain or grow so when we're 41st in the nation and what we pay community college faculty our challenge is being able to retain or hire new faculty for these areas that we have these jobs and we need to grow into and so that's the biggest challenge is what keeps me awake as much the most we we want to we're our goal is to get to average for what our neighboring states are in terms of what we pay our faculty and we don't do comparisons of staff and it's not because we're losing faculty that they're saying hey i'm going to virginia where i was before because they pay more and that does happen but what's happening too often is they're saying i'm getting out of community colleges because i can make more money doing this job than teaching people how to do this job you know and they know that coming in but when when the discrepancy becomes so great it becomes a real problem and as people are demanding more and more of you know the skill sets and we don't have the ability to keep those people or hire those people that's the challenge the second thing that we're looking toward is to increase and be able to expand in many of these workforce areas um we would like to be funded eventually at about two-thirds of what the universities are funded for the first two years and it's not so much about comparison with universities but we got to grow into these areas you talked about all the the needs we have i'm just looking at this area whether it's trades whether it's you know, bio, whether it's IT, whether it's cyber, automotive, whatever, we got to grow in all these areas. Um, and at our current funding level, which is about 50% of what, you know, our four-year partners have for those first two years, we're just not able to grow fast enough to keep up with what, you know, everybody says is the biggest business issue right now, which is workforce. So we don't have a long agenda, but it's a very important agenda. And it's, it's two things, you know, helping us to retain and be able to hire our important faculty and to make the student investment to expand these programs that need North Carolina needs right now for the skill sets that are in demand and the skill shortages they're finding in certain places. Well, it's certainly important because I think the people who do economic development in North Carolina always brag about how important in recruiting new industry especially higher paying industry. And that's basically what North Carolina is focusing on these days. Absolutely. How important the college system is to that process. Well, I have to so, give a shout out to my colleagues who are, are the economic developers in North Carolina. Yesterday, I, I'm a member of the North Carolina Economic Development Association. Most of these are the county economic developers or city town economic developers. And yesterday they had their legislative breakfast, but one of the key legislative priorities for the economic developers is our salaries because they know you know they're recruiting these companies these companies or these companies are expanding they know that the number one issue is whether they're going to have the workforce and they know that we are key to them having that workforce and if we don't have the people then the the, the companies won't have the training that they need to hire the people and that's the big rub right now 
Did you have, uh, I'm sort of changing the subject on you, but uh, uh, small businesses, of course, always have uh, unique problems because of their size. In many cases, they have people wearing two and three different hats. Do you have anyone who works directly with small businesses who call you for help? Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you two ways we help them. One is we do a lot in helping people start small businesses. So we have a small business center. We also have an entrepreneurship program. We work, we have 12 municipalities in Wake County. And so we're kind of the backbone behind what are called the launch programs in Wake County. We also have a new venture program that we do with our students to help them start small businesses. So part of our role is in the business startup, particularly in the smaller mom and pop main street type small businesses. Another way we help small businesses is through our work in apprenticeship. Wake Tech right now, I think could be or certainly one of the fastest growing apprenticeship colleges in the United States. We we will cross the threshold within a couple of weeks of having a hundred employers in Wake County that work with us on formal apprenticeship. And the way we're able to do that is we have a team uh, that Wake County supports for us that allows us to sponsor apprenticeship. It allows us to be able to have programs. And so if I'm a smaller company and I just, I'm not trying to have 20, but I need one or two, you can work through our apprenticeship sponsorship and and have that one or two apprentices and have a formal apprenticeship program. And that's really become a unique way for us to help the smaller companies. And it's not just the traditional trades and manufacturing. We now have, you know, some very unique restaurants and culinary. We have accounting, we have IT companies. So it's spreading it out and making a very unique way of doing workforce development through apprenticeship, but able to reach not just people that have a big scale, but have sm smaller numbers and, and we're hiring smaller numbers, but can do that through the apprenticeship model. Well, I don't think in the time I've been in business, I've ever seen more people who claim they have a big opening, a big, a long list of, uh, of uh, openings in their company. You only need to drive around town and see on message boards and, and windows now hiring, uh, but it goes far beyond that. Uh, so many people, I know uh, in our, our particular company, we have 34 openings right now that we would, that we need to fill. And we've got probably another 20 that we would like to fill. Uh, and we're not that large a company. And so if you look at the, uh, uh, the employment situation in North Carolina, it's critical. And uh, um, that's why what you're talking about is so important. Yeah, I, I believe, and you know, the demographic, we're sort of heading to a difficult place anyway, because of demographics, we're getting older and not younger. But then what COVID does accelerate everything about 10 years, because a lot of folks who were 55 and older took retirement during that time frame. And they're not, and, you know, as it's showing right now, a lot of those folks are not coming back. So it really accelerated us demographically towards a place we were heading to anyway. And, and what it means for us is that you know we we can't afford we can't afford for anybody not to be productive right now. I used to tell a story when I was community college system president that I think it was when I was born there were like seven seven pay you know seven uh, pays to every social security recipient, and then by the time I was to retire is going to be two to one. And I always used to say that I want my two workers to be the most highly educated, making as much money as they possibly can. But, you know, it's we're going to need everybody. And that's 
that's where for us, like expanding healthcare programs is important because we're not only the second fastest growing metropolitan region in the United States in Wake County, but we're also getting older at the same time. And so when you go to the hospital, you know, it's likely a Wake Tech trained paramedic, they'll take you there. And it's likely a Wake Tech trained medical lab person that's going to take your blood. And it's probably someone who's going to, you know, go through the, through x-ray and the nurse may not be the doctor, could be the doctor. They could have come to Wake Tech first and then gone on to one of the universities. But, you know, you're going to touch somebody from Wake Tech. Somebody from Wake Tech is going to touch you in that process. And we need as many of those people as we can get, and we need them to be as highly educated and trained as possible for multiple reasons. Well, that brings me to, a, 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 um, I guess, a, an opportunity for you to uh, maybe get a plug-in for this. But let's say someone retired at age uh, 65 or 70, and after a couple of years of, of travel and so forth, they become bored. Uh, do you have many people calling you and saying, you know, I, I probably would like to teach? Yeah, and we need we and we welcome that. We we'll have, you know, we're gonna have a day coming up where, you know, trying to make it easy for people to do that. You know, different different things require different qualifications. If it's a university transfer program, you have to have a master's degree in the field to be able to teach some of the programs. But for a lot of the skill areas, it's just having had that previous experience that you can apply. And gosh, we get some of the most amazing people, whether they're former, you know. HVAC technicians or electricians and just people who, I mean, I, I had a conversation recently with someone who tutors in one of our tutoring centers and just having this marvelous math conversation. I asked her, how did she get into this? And she said, well, she had a doctorate from MIT in math, and but she always wanted to do this after her previous career. We've got a guy in our biotech program, our new biotech program. I was panicked a little bit about where are we going to find people who can teach genetics and gene therapy? Turned out we had a guy on our team named Drew Vinyl who has had patents and worked in that field for years, but came to us later as a second career because he wanted to teach and was teaching biology for us. And now he's like the our rock star bio, one of our rock star biotech instructors. So yeah, those folks are, you know, they're they're godsends for us. So please reach out to us. And how would they do that? Well, if you go to our website, um, look for our human services area, call, you know, it's waketech.edu. Go to our HR, you know, and contact them. You'll see an email address or just call us and we will put you in contact with them. Um, and then we'll get you in touch with the, the different departments to see what you can do. And if it's not a degree area, as I mentioned before, most much of our training is non-degree skills based. So there's multiple ways to give back to Wake Tech. And another area I'll mention real quickly is where we get the most volunteers is we're the biggest literacy providers in the state, community colleges. So it's working with people who are either learning English or working on their math skills or trying to get a high school degree through us. So there's all kinds of ways to give and support um, through Wake Tech or your other community colleges. Well, Wake Tech and all the other uh, community colleges are certainly crown jewels of the North Carolina education system. And we very much appreciate not only your work, but that of your faculty and your staff and those other uh, 55 uh, uh, community colleges across the state, or 57, I guess it is. Uh, our guest has been Scott Rawls, and if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. 
Uh, we'll be back again next week. So the next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.